Open your Bibles this morning, if you would, uh, to the book of Galatians. Galatians, the first chapter and the fourth verse. We just ended our series on righteousness, living in righteousness. Today, what I have in my spirit is to begin a new series and to call it The Believer's Advantage. The Believer's Advantage. Now, the word advantage, as we looked at last week, is a condition or a circumstance that puts one in a favorable or in a superior position. We said also that our spiritual condition has put us in a favorable position. We could say this, our spiritual condition has put us in a superior position. Amen. And one major area that you and I have advantage over is sin. You and I have been put in a superior position over sin. Now, why is that? Well, first and foremost, because Jesus became sin for us. He bore our sin. And I like how Galatians says it in the Amplified Version. He says, who gave and yielded himself up to atone for our sins and to save us and to sanctify us in order to rescue and deliver us from this present wicked age and world order. How many of you know this world is messed up? This present evil wicked age, it is messed up. But you've been rescued. You've been delivered. You've been sanctified. You've been set apart. Hallelujah for the glory of God. And this is in accordance with the will and purpose and plan of God our Father. And so if you have been born again, you have a superior position over sin. Because the fact is, He raised you up. And He made you to sit together with Him far above all principality and power, far above evil spirits that are the author of sin and death. Now, it's very important that we live out what He has actually done. In other words, we need to take our advantage of our advantage that we have over sin. To live it out and to walk it out daily. And I can't think of a better chapter that addresses this than Romans chapter 6. So let's take a look at Romans the 6th chapter this morning. And we'll begin in verse 1. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Notice with me in verse 2. God forbid. Everyone say, God forbid. forbid. It says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I want you to notice that he calls born again believers dead to sin. And if he calls us dead to sin, we need to call ourselves dead to sin. Say that with me right now. I am dead by the grace of God to sin and to sin and death. Now notice in verse 3, know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
Even so, we also should walk where? We should walk in newness of life. And walking in newness of life is not walking in sin. Walking in newness of life is walking in our new creation. It is walking in righteousness. It is walking in redemption. Amen. In verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Verse 6. Read it with me. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now notice with me this phrase, and let's keep this verse up there. Our old man is crucified with Him. Now here's a few things that our old man refers to. Our old sick self. Our old depressed self. Our old confused self. Our old defeated self. Our old condemned self. Our old guilty self has been crucified with Him. Now, is that good news or is that good news? Paul said to the church of Galatians, he said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And you have too. Little I moved out. And big I moved in. Little broke moved out. And El Shaddai moved in. Amen. Little sick moved out. And Jehovah Rapha moved into your spirit. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. Your old man has been crucified with Christ. Now you've all heard of the mafia, right? If one person decided to testify against the mafia organization, what the federal government would do is they would give them a new identity so he could not be traced. And some, if some of the old mafia members tried to reach out to him, tried to do this and do him harm and send him letters, what they would get is a letter back saying, return to sender, no such a person, no such a place. And my brothers and sisters, that is the power of being dead to sin. The old man no longer exists. Amen. And because he no longer exists, we are not servitude to sin. Sin is not our master. Sin has been placed under our feet by the head of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church of the living God. Say me, I don't have to serve sin. Now here's a, a, a big lie that the world buys into. And sometimes carnal Christians buy into it as well. Now I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm not saying you're carnal. But it is possible to be born again and be as carnal as an old hoodal. Somebody says, I didn't know hoodals were carnal. Well, neither did I, but I'm just using it as an expression. Here is a common lie. Well, I'm free, I'm free to do my own thing. 
You know, they used to sing a song in Motown. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you who to sock it to. It's your thing. It's your thing. <laughs> anybody, anybody recognize, recognize that old song? Well, unless you don't know it, that song is not scriptural. It is not your thing. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, I'm just free to do my own thing. That is not freedom. To get out of a life of sin, that's freedom. I just have to tell you, I'm so glad I'm free. I am so glad I am drug free. I'm so glad I'm anxiety free. I'm so glad I'm sickness and disease free. I'm not looking over my shoulder fearing that some secret sin might be found out about me. That's liberating, my brothers and sisters. Amen. Because I don't have any secret sins. Why? Because I'm free. And I just wonder if there's anybody at Heart of the Bay Christian Center this morning, praise God, that is glad that they are free. Oh, come on, brothers and sisters. Think about, rejoice about, dance about what the Lord has done for you. He has set you free. Freedom. Hallelujah. Now, for those that are still being dominated by sin, I've got good news for you. Now is your day of rescue. Now is your day of freedom. Now is your day of deliverance. You do not have to go get it counseled out of you. You don't have to go get it psychiatric treatment out of you. You don't have to do that. You have been set free by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Say with me, today is my day of salvation. Now notice with me in verse 7 of Romans 6. And I want you to read this with me. It says, for he that is dead is what? Freed from sin. You died with him. You were buried with Him. You were raised with Him. And now you are free. Sin is no longer our master. We are free in Jesus. Notice verse 8 and verse 9. It says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also do what? Verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. Verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin. How many times? Once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now notice this in verse 11. I want you to read this with me. Ready? Read. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Dead to sin, but alive unto God. One translation there where it says dead to sin means inert and motionless as a corpse. 
and response to sin. Dead to sin. Now sometimes that old man tries to rise up. But you just speak to it and you say, lay down there, dead man. I am dead to sin. And in verse 12 it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Now whose responsibility is that? Let not sin. It's my responsibility and your responsibility to make sure that every door is closed. That's our, that's our responsibility. Because sin knocks at the door in all of our lives. It really does not matter how long you've been saved. It really does not matter how long you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Sin lurks. It is an enemy. And so we must not be fearful, but on the other hand, we must not let our guard down. In Proverbs 4, it says, Protect your spirit with all diligence, for out of your spirit flows the issues of life. And so he says here, let's look at that verse again, Let not sin therefore reign. The word reign there means rule. Or to have control over your mortal body. Now how many of you know your body is not saved? That's why he tells you to present your bodies unto God as a living sacrifice. If we allowed our body to do whatever it wanted to do, we would enter into sin regularly. But your spirit man controls your outer man. We could say it this way. My inward man controls my outward man. So therefore, it's very important that I cultivate strength and cultivate things in my spirit, amen, that will help me control my outer man. For if I am weak down here in my heart, I'm going to be weak in my body. If I'm weak in my spirit, I'm going to be weak in my mind. But let me remind you of this. Proverbs says, it is the strong spirit of a man that will bring sustenance to his or her life. The strong spirit of man will sustain you in a time of infirmity. It will sustain you in a time of temptation. So the stronger you are in your spirit, the stronger you are to be able to say no to sin when it knocks on your door. So say it with me, I am strong. I am strong. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. One of the things, but not the only thing, that will help you to be strong in your spirit, of course, is the Word of God. Now unto Him that is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance through His Word. But not only that, we have the ability to commune with the Holy Spirit by praying in a heavenly language. And when you pray in a heavenly language, here's what happens. Your spirit man gets stronger. You rise, as it were, like an edifice, higher and higher, stronger and stronger, as you pray in the Holy Ghost. 
And so I encourage you to spend much time praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, not just praying in the Holy Ghost, when we come together corporately, like Pastor Nancy and Pastor Tom did a tremendous job on Prayer Encounter Thursday, just a wonderful job. Brenda and I will be back in the house on Thursday. And those things are good. It's good to have corporate prayer where we're praying in the Holy Ghost, but it's also good for us to have devotional prayer where we are charging our inner man up day by day, week after week, year after year, by praying in the Holy Ghost. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. So that builds you up. That keeps your spirit man strong. That will help you to keep the door closed on the enemy. Now, we're going to get some places today. I've got some things in my heart that I need to share with you. So how many of you are believing God with me today? Amen. So again, verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Now notice with me in the next verse, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So again, he's saying don't yield to sin. He's saying yield to God. We have the power to resist sin. So the question has been asked, and I think I'll answer it today. What exactly is sin? I can't really improve on this definition of sin. Brother Moore said many years ago, sin is violation of light. Sin is violation of light. What does that mean? That means whatever you and I have light on and don't act on is sin. We get light from His Word. The entrance of His Word does what? The entrance of His Word gives light. It helps you to see some things that you need to see. But we also get light from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, when some people think of sin and temptation, they usually think about sexual sin. Or they think about stealing. Or they think about things like adultery. And all of those things are sin. But sin is not limited to those things. Sin is much bigger than those things. Sin is a violation of light. Here's what James said. James says in 4.17, Therefore him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, To him, it is sin. See, what's sin to me may not be sin to you. Why? Because I may have more light than you do. And if you don't have the light, then you need to get the light. And the lights need to turn on. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Goodness, goodness, goodness. What, what's, the, what's the Lord ministered to you in your own life? What has He given you light on? I submit to you that being unthankful, if you have light on, being thankful is sin. 
I submit to you that living on and acting on fear as a way of life, when you know better, it's a violation of light. Now, I don't say these things to condemn you. I say these things to help you. Because as long as there is a violation of light, there comes a heaviness into our life. It becomes very weighty. Now listen to this one. If you know to forgive and you don't forgive, somebody says, yeah, I forgive and I've forgiven. Well, why are you always talking about it then? So if you know to forgive and yet you continue to act like you haven't forgiven, that's a violation of light. Amen. And so you could just go down the, the track. Here's another one. And the Lord made it very clear to me this morning. I heard this phrase many years ago. That missed opportunities bring regret. Everyone say this with me. Missed opportunities bring regret. Okay. We probably all have missed an opportunity in our lives once or twice. So we don't want to be condemned about that. But when we miss an opportunity, it brings regret. But here's the thing I want you to see. If you live on a street of regret because you've missed an opportunity, that is too weighty for you to live prosperously. In other words, you cannot keep dragging your past along with you. You cannot keep talking about, oh, I wish I hadn't done this and I wish I hadn't done that. That will do nothing but oppress you and depress you. I'm telling you what, my brothers and sisters, God is a God of opportunity. And even though you have missed one or missed another here and there, understand this, that He will open up another door for you. But you'll never be able to see it or seize it if you're living like this. Oh, oh I'm just so bummed out. I, I miss God. Yeah, you miss God. Repent. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. And get up and clean yourself off and get your spiritual antennas up and say, it's a new day. It's a new season. My God is opening new doors for me. Amen. That's what I wanted you to get. Because the devil is the author of regret. Oh, he knows about regret. That dude knows about regret. Had he known it, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> and he has been regretting it from the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so he carries that with him and he wants you to take the bait of it. I say unto you, don't take it. Don't give it any place. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Today is a new day. It's a new season. So let's be about our Father's business. Amen. Woo, glory. You know what? The truth has set you free. You shall know the truth. 
So him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. Well, somebody says, well, that's all fine and good, Pastor, but I just can't help it. Yes, you can. That's a lie of the devil. Well, I, I just, it just feels so good. I just, I just, I just, I just can't help it. Yes, you can. You are not some sort of spiritual pawn under the enemy's feet. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Everybody good? 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter in the 13th verse. Notice this with me. It says, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common. <laughs> common to man. The devil loves to use this lie. Nobody knows what you're going through. Followed up by, nobody's been through what you have been through. Don't buy the lie. It's common stuff. But not only did he say it's common to man, but here's what we want to camp out on is these three words, but God is faithful. <laughs> hey, come on now. Somebody's helping me over there. But God is faithful. It's okay to talk to the preacher. Is God faithful? Yes. Has God been faithful? Yes. Is He forever faithful? Yes. But God. But God. We're going through some things. Emphasis going through. We're not staying in them. We're going through to the other side. Because God is faithful. My God is faithful. And your God is faithful. Now notice this. He is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above your ability, but will also with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. <laughs> Hallelujah. What this is saying, because he is faithful, he always provides a way out. Young's little translation says, He makes an outlet. And so He will lead you right out of temptation if you will... Now, here's another really important thing we got to get today. I want to take a few moments with this. He will lead us right out of temptation if... Everyone say if. If, if what, Pastor? If... We will follow the leadings of the Holy Ghost. If we follow the leadings of the Holy Ghost. What is this saying? Well, I like what Matthew 6 says in verse 13 in the Lord's Prayer. Notice that verse. This is a prayer that we can pray. And lead me. Don't lead me into temptation. But deliver me from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You need to understand that your Father, by the Holy Spirit, He knows the enemy's setups.
And the enemy may work for months and years and years trying to set you up into some sort of temptation. But when the time comes, he will lead you by his spirit to avoid temptation. He will lead you not to go over there. He will lead you not to watch that show. He might even lead you to throw your computer away. He leads us. He leads us right out of the avenue of temptation and sin. He leads you. He guides you into all the truth. He may lead you to take another way home today. Somebody says, why? I don't know why. But I know one thing for sure. If he leads you to do that, you'll make it home. Huh? Now, I don't mean it wrong, but he may lead you away from some unhealthy relationships. Unhealthy relationships. Somebody says, yeah, but we're the light of the world and we are to be light in a dark world. Yes, we are, but not at the expense of you opening up a door for temptation. Well, I work on the job and I, I work with, you know, a lot of women and wow, you know, uh, nothing wrong with me to going, uh, you know, out to lunch with one of the gals. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Because you may go from the restaurant to the motel. Motel. He'll lead you. He'll lead you right out of sin. He'll lead you right in the right ways and in the right path. He will lead you into supernatural relationships. I don't always understand why that there are people that are no longer in my life that were there years ago. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with them. All I know is I've got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit for my life. I've got to be cautious who I allow into my life. Because who I allow into my life can influence me. For either good or bad. I don't always understand. You know what? We don't have to understand it. We just need to be led by the Spirit of God. Say it with me. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons of God should learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Oh, when He leads you. Oh, brothers and sisters, when He leads you, He leads you on the right path. (laughs) Woo, glory to God. He'll lead you right out as a disease into divine health. He'll lead you right out of poverty into abundance. That's the kind of God that we serve. Amen. 
Years ago, you know, there were a lot of people wanting you to invest in this, invest in that, invest in this, invest in that. I never really got it in my spirit to invest in the opportunities that I was given. And I'm so glad that I followed the leading of the Spirit because it turned out that some of those opportunities, investments, turned out to be a sham. Did the Holy Ghost know that? Were these people evil that were doing that? No, they were just deceived. And it's very easy to be deceived, especially in the arena of money. When you hear of things that seem like they're too good to be true, just mark it down. They are. <laughs> they can't be right. Well, we're getting somewhere today. Say it with me. Preach, brother. Glory to God. Amen. And investing. Investing in ministries is important. Is it not? But I'm only going to invest in ministries that I'm led to invest in. Right? Nothing wrong with ministries. But I want to invest in the soil that God leads me to invest in. Because when I invest in the soil that He leads me to invest in, that's hot soil and that's good soil and it will always bring a harvest. Say with me, for as many as are led... By the Spirit of God, what are they? They are the sons of God. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying when He checks you, follow it. When He leads you, follow Him. Trust Him. And He will see to it that you're always in the right place, at the right time, doing the right things, with the right people. Now the opposite of that is also true. The enemy will try to see to it that you're in the wrong place. At the wrong time. Doing the wrong things. With the wrong people. That's why he said in Ephesians, neither give place to the devil. Because all the enemy needs is one inch. If you give that rat an inch, he will try to take a mile. But oh, say it with me, I'm led. Say this with me real strong, I'm always in the right place. At the right time. I'm doing the right things with the right people. So no matter what comes against you, on the outside... Remember that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What are you saying today? I'm saying that God will help you master temptation. It does not have to master you. Why? Because you have the believer's advantage. Now, how many of you know that Jesus understands our struggle? How could he understand our struggle? Because he's been there. He's not condemning us. He's ready to help us. He's been there. Hebrews 4.15 says this. This goes crosswise with religion. They don't understand this verse, but it is written. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be tempted with our infirmities, but was in all point. Everyone say all points. 
That means every conceivable way. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So any area that we are tempted in, Jesus was tempted in those areas and beyond. Oh, hallelujah. But did he sin? He didn't sin. He was tempted, but he did not sin. And I just dropped by to tell you this morning, because Jesus overcame sin, you can overcome sin. We have the ability to stand against the strategies, to stand against the wiles of the devil. We have been given God's clothes. We've been given the whole armor of God. We can quench every fiery dart that the enemy brings against me as we put on the whole armor of God. Now back to Romans 6 verse 14. I'm going to give you the condensed version. In verse 4, it says this, 14, Romans 6, Romans 6, Romans 6, verse 14. Read it with me. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under the grace of God. Oh, read it again. For sin shall not have dominion over me. For I'm not under the law, but under grace. That word dominion is control. Sin no longer controls you, no longer controls me, because we're living under the grace of God. Mark Hankins said this. He said, wherever sin and Satan have dominated your life, every trace of its supremacy has perished or come to an end. Amen. Now in closing, I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 13 and verse 14. Now let me set this up for you. The children of Israel were in a time of repentance because they had were so given to idolatry. Idolatry, idols. In 1 John chapter 4, it says we are to keep ourselves from idols, right? Idols back there in the Old Covenant are different than idols over here in the New Testament. Amen. Entertainment can be an idol, right? And uh, we don't want to get off on that, but there's a lot of things that, that have a spirit of idolatry to them that we are to keep ourselves from. But now notice, they said in Isaiah 26 and verse 13, O Lord our God, other masters beside you have ruled over us. But we will acknowledge and mention your name only. So they're admitting the fact that they were once mastered by idols. Okay? And so they're turning away. And this also is a type for us to see of you and I turning from those things unto the Lord. To turn and to return to the Lord simply means to repent. Mighty quiet in this first church this morning. You can ask for forgiveness and get forgiveness, but while you're asking forgiveness, also repent. Because what does repent mean? Repents mean to turn away from and just wash your hands of and say, I'm done with that. And I'm going to do whatever is necessary I have to do to keep that out of my life. Now notice this. 
Did you wear your shouting clothes? Notice in verse 14. They, the former tyrant masters. That's the enemy. They're dead. They, the former tyrant masters, are dead. They shall not live and reappear. Sin shall no longer have dominion over me. It shall not appear in my life again. It shall not dominate me one day longer. It is dead. The masters are completely dead. Now notice. The former tyrant masters are dead. They shall not live and reappear. Glory to God. It shall not reappear. For those of you that have had sickness and disease in your life, and no longer that sickness and disease is in your life, it's not there anymore. One thing you need to say, it shall not rise up a second time. It shall not rise up a second time. It's dead. The former tyrant masters are dead. They shall not live and reappear. They are powerless. Come on. Keep going. They're powerless ghosts. (laughs) They shall not rise and come back. They shall not rise and come back. Have you ever had your past come back like a ghost? Well, the devil is a master of deception. He will tell you that fear, confusion, and sickness are still there. But Isaiah said, those that ruled your past are powerless ghosts. They shall not come back. Listen, folks, God has visited you. He's made an end to them. And He has caused every memory and trace of their supremacy to perish. Old habits. Come on, somebody. Old attitudes. Shame and the past shall no longer control you. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For sickness shall not have dominion over you. For lack shall no longer have dominion over you. For pornography shall no longer have dominion over you. Shall adultery no no longer have uh, dominion over you. Woo, glory to God. They're dead. And so what we got to do is take advantage of our advantage over sin and the curse of the law. Folks, we're going to have to challenge every attitude and thought that comes against our mind with the Word of God. It does not matter what the devil said to you. God said, I swallowed them up. And so there is no trace. There's no trace. Come on, everybody, stand up. Praise God. Say with me, there's no trace that they were ever there. It's history. 
it is done and it is finished. Oh, raise your hands up and thank Him for what you've heard today. Glory to God. Oh, praise God. We take, we take our place. We take our place. We take our place of authority. We take our place of resistance in the name of Jesus. And we resist anything that the enemy would throw our way. Oh, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Some of you have seen some things that you never saw before today. And so now, take an inventory. Don't condemn yourself, but take an inventory. And go back and think about those things that the Lord has instructed you to do through His Word and by His Spirit that you have not done yet. And ask for forgiveness. And then say, Lord, Your will be done in my life. It's a time of a fresh commitment. There's others of you that the Lord has spoken to you about cutting some things off. I don't know what what all that means, but how many of you know that He's the vine, we're the branches? And quite frankly, sometimes the branches need some pruning. Anybody ever need some pruning in your life? (laughs) I'll raise both hands. So we need to make ourselves available to the pruning that the Word brings and the pruning that the Spirit of God brings. What is this saying? We need to cut off dead things out of our life. Cut them off. So why? So that there might be life. So that there might be a quickening. So that there might be growth. And when there's growth, oh, come on, somebody, there's fruit. There's fruit. There's fruit. Cut off the dead things. Cut off those things that are taking too much of your time. Well, I just don't have, I don't have time to, to be in church. I don't have time to be in the Word. You don't have time not to be in the Word. I'll, you just mark it down. There are things that you're doing that you could cut off or minimize. Come on. And you could take that time and you could spend that time in prayer. You could minimize that time and take that time and spend more time in the Word. Or you could minimize that time and be in church on a Wednesday night. I didn't get an amen on that. But it's good preaching. And I'm glad I came into the house. Raise your hand up right now and say, Lord God. I commit to your will, to your plan. Show me, Holy Spirit, those things that are dead, those things that need to be cut off. Show me, Holy Spirit, where I've let the tempter in. And by the grace of God, I slam the door shut today. I'm a child of God. I am a believer and I have an advantage over sin and the law of sin and death. Raise both hands right now and say the law of the spirit of life is quickening me today and it is setting me free 
free indeed from the law of sin and death. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God.